right. Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. And before this, we heard My Sharona by The Knack. And uh, this afternoon on Tuesday, we've got Andrew Dembina for this week's Tuesday Chat. Andrew, great to speak to you. How are you today? Good to speak to you as well. Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, quite enjoying this uh, respite from what was happening uh, in, in the weather recently, which was it was getting almost like summer, I thought. So enjoying these few cooler days before it kicks in again. Do you, like, do you like that? It's such a Hong Kong thing to sort of talk about. The, or is it a British thing to talk about the weather? Uh, it's probably, I, I, British. It's probably yeah. British, isn't it? But it yeah. means a lot. Yes, I agree with you. I kind of enjoying the, the cool breeze a little bit more. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Not the humidity, well, though. But what have you got for us today, then? Yeah. Okay, starting off, then, today, in our food and drink reports from here and there, um, with the Asian Dining Awards news. It's one of the biggest global guides for the region, and we've talked about it, we've, we're not in great detail, but we've, we've come across it over the years now and then. Um, so the top accolades for Asian restaurants, according to the uh, organization, the team at the World 50 Best Restaurant Guide um, is going to be uh, held on Thursday for Asia. So this, um, we've spoken about before, they're a company that are based in the UK. They've been around for just under 20 years. They're celebrating their 19th year this year. And they're taken very, very seriously by the, uh, the food and drink hospitality industries um, to be of, I would say, equal importance to the Michelin Guides. Um, in English language, and globally reaching, those two are probably the biggest. And the World 50 Best Restaurant uh, list is uh, um, is headed up uh, by food industry kind of um, representatives in each country, and journalists and media are also invited to make votes and so on. And they rank restaurants and bars, because they do the World's Best Bars as well, it's the same organization, uh, between... 1 and 50 for the big kind of accolades and certificates and these restaurants and bars will put their certificates on their walls very proudly but they also um also when they announce the top 50 they give the uh 51 to 100 listings as well they get announced too and in this year the um asian restaurants top the top restaurants for the asian region because uh they split the uh, the regional votes into asia and south america in recent years, uh, instead of it being just one big global list, they've been very, very um, neck and neck between Singapore and Hong Kong for the top places and the top 50, and in fact, throughout the whole top 100, the 51 to 100 that follows that. There's such so, competition between Singapore and Hong Kong all the time from, you know, yeah, livability so many, so many and, yeah, yeah. So, and now food. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's not only the very, very fine dining that the world's best restaurant crew are interested in. I have to say it is mostly that. But the uh, the rather earthy picture, one of those cryptic images that uh, I heard you refer to at the start of this program, and uh, we've mentioned it, you've mentioned it before, that there's a, there's a restaurant um, in the 51 to 100 uh, list because they've made this available for the first time in their 19 years. They've kind of given a uh, preview of the 51 to 100 a couple of days before the top 50 are going to be released. Normally, they'd give the whole 100 at the same time. They've split it up this time to whet people's appetite. And the I sent you a picture of... Um, what do you <laughs> want to describe it, Noreen? A very um, atmospheric-looking shot of someone in, a, in an open kitchen 
Well, you can see the dining tables are there. You can see this is not a posh restaurant. It's, um, there are wooden stools. There are possibly four mica topped tables in a restaurant in Bangkok. It's called Ran J Phi, and it's known for its crab pancakes which she's making in this photo that I've sent you on a very fiery-looking walk. I mean, when and you sent me that picture, I was just like, a picture's <laughs> worth a thousand words. I, I couldn't even explain yeah. it in 5,000 no. words. It's just so much happening. I mean, the, the, uh, I, I'm so lost <laughs> for words. It's, she's just, she's in a very odd sort of, um, I mean, she, her apron, first of all, and, and her, she's wearing a beanie in a very hot yeah. kitchen, and she's got these in very weird-looking goggles. That, that they're, they, you know, I'll tell you what they look like. Like they look like the goggles that you use when you're scuba diving, or it, they they do. They look more like that because they've got black rims. They're not like an, a science lab clear rimmed one. They do. They're, a snorkel would be a snorkel. Uh, that's very, it. Sorry, very that's appropriate. Snorkeling, yes. Yeah. Very yeah. weird. Very interesting, yeah. though. Well, she is uh, number sixty-two on the fifty-one to one hundred list that was released yesterday. Just yesterday, ahead of Thursday's release of the top fifty. And I tell you, all all the top restaurants, all those that think of themselves as top, whether it is in the kind of high-end, top-end, you know, um, five-star end of the scale, or whether it's something more earthy like this one that the, of the picture that we're talking about in Thailand, they're all kind of waiting on bated breath, as they do every year, to hear who's going to be in there. Last year, this rivalry that we mentioned between Singapore and Hong Kong, though they were neck and neck, literally, in the top five. There were two from Hong Kong and two from Singapore. The other one in the top five went to Tokyo in Japan, of course. And um, Singapore pipped Hong Kong for the first place, though, last year with a pretty much fine dining French-style restaurant that's been getting rave reviews for about a decade, I suppose, mm. in Singapore. So it's 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 all up for uh, for grabs, though. And it goes it's not just those places that we've mentioned, places that perhaps the you know wealthier side of Asia. It's also, uh, let me see, the, well, Malaysia, Indonesia, a lot of Southeast Asia, and um, everywhere. It's not. It's not just places that can afford to have lots of restaurants and hotels. It seems to be the case in Singapore and um, and Hong Kong itself. Macau is always getting quite a few mentions. So we'll have to see who comes in. It's it's going to be live streamed on Facebook. If one's interested uh, and wants to see if you want to watch it live should anyone not be working at 4 30 p.m this thursday afternoon the 25th of march it will be under asia's 50 best restaurants on facebook you can easily find that or on youtube it's under the kind of parent company that, that does all of these different regional stuff 50 best restaurants tv on youtube you can find out who's going to be winning the prizes will it be the beanie hatted oh no she's already got her place at number 62 they they did they did release all of those you can go to their website worldsbestrestaurants.com and you'll see uh, you'll see the top 51 to 100 uh, restaurants in asia that have just been released that's 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 that one which i think will be pretty interesting next we're going on to um we talked recently about robot cooks in the kitchen devised by a southern china-based company a week or two ago get ready for the next high-tech possibility noreen and this refers to a picture again that i sent you earlier before with a slight caption this time and uh, we talked about we're talking about singapore once again it was something that uh, has come up in the news i present the notion to the listener of 3d 
printing of food. And do you want to tell us what that what, what's going on in that picture? I did send you a caption there, Noreen. You did, um, and it's uh, I think it's a dessert at the Singapore University of Te- uh, D- uh, Technology and Design. Uh, at yeah. first glance, I thought it was like a honeycomb thing, but then I think yeah. at a closer glance, it looks like some sort of. Uh, well, it's definitely a dessert, and it looks more like a wafer or a. a it does a caramel um, I, I, type of color. It, it looked like honeycomb to begin in, to, to begin with. How would you describe it? Well, it is nicely. It looks either like honeycomb or like a bit like a waffle shape in a way because yeah. they're crisscrossing. Yeah. yeah, there's kind of vertical and horizontal lines going through each other with a chocolate sauce. It, I wonder how soft that thing is. I wonder if it's all very liquidy. But I was I'll just take you through some of the technology that seems to be really at the cutting edge in Singapore more than anywhere else in the world with 3D printing of food. There's a company called Anrich 3D, which is uh, working in conjunction. It was set up by that university where that picture that I said you came from. That's Nan- Nanyang Technological University. We'll call it NTU for short. In, co- in collaboration with a culinary institute called Allspice in Singapore. And they aim to bring um, not just something that comes out of a printer for the sake of it but personalized nutrition so what looks like a very rich soft almost pudding like dessert in that picture that i sent you is nutrition more nutritious than you would be thinking by looking at it it just looks like a pretty standard you know liquidish mousse or uh, pudding dessert so it's next level printing of food based on nutritional needs that's what they're trying to do and it wants to, it says, this uh, Anrich 3D, you know, set up by the university, they're going to be making services like these 3D um, printers and cartridges commercially available by the end of this year. So it's something really interesting. Again, we heard about um, the robots that can make four different meals in southern China in two minutes with four different meals going on at the same time in under two minutes. Pretty amazing, wasn't it? Mm. And we did talk about how that may impact human staff and so on. Well, so could this one, really. It it wants to bring out something commercially which will be able to make um, savoury and dessert courses at the press of a button, basically. The listener may may be aware or not about 3D printing in general. I mean, it's something that has had a significant kind of impact on product manufacturing sectors, making all kinds of components, printing... You can 3D print a house these days. Well, parts of the house. Even a house. Well, certainly certainly structural furniture and certain things. I don't know. I haven't heard. Maybe you're right. I wouldn't be surprised. But all the components put together like a jigsaw that have been printed from a 3D printer, I guess that's what it would amount to, wouldn't it be? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't think the 3D printer is big enough um, for, for the actual house. But <laughs> no, you'd, you'd need to be really reloading those cartridges at some pace, <laughs> wouldn't you? Or, yeah, it's, it's, um, it, but, um, it's also known for, I think, making smaller things. Furniture and small tables, I've heard of, toys. Um, and, but, but yeah, may, maybe components for houses as well. I mean, we, there are, um, there's been an emergence of 3D printer um experimentation in making food by putting different components into what would normally be ink cartridges conventionally that have turned into other things because of 3d printing technology and Andrich, this company is making meals that are also looking initially at the elderly 
who cannot digest or chew their food as well as, let's say, children or adults up to a certain age, you know, people who find it a bit difficult to uh, chomp through things that are more stringy or chewy textures. So what is happening here is that the cartridges are filled either with a gel or a paste, which is basically would be a, a, a powdery texture that, that forms into a flavoured uh, paste that's given nutrients added to it to make it more healthy. And then it will be uh, pumped out into certain shapes. And I've seen some other shapes. I didn't send you some of the other pictures. Some of them look a little bit fanciful in the experimentation stage, almost like decorations that you could hang off a Christmas tree, star-shaped or, um, or elaborate scalloped edges and so on. It's very much in the testing zone. Singapore, though, as I said, is a real leader in this. And Singapore Polytechnic has been experimenting with similar, similar technology uh, since nine, 2019, and it has already got some really um, particular flavours, Singaporean favourites that it's been testing on people in Singapore. Chili crab was one, and and they would make they would print out things in the shape of a crab's claw, and durian was tested as well, so that they can see whether you can get among other milder flavours whether you can really get a good flavour profile, and the tests have been coming in saying that uh, among blind tasting, where people are not shown or told what they're eating uh, in certain conditions, that people are picking out the tastes no problem, which we see in, uh, in food game shows around the world. Sometimes people in MasterChef and so on are not able to do that. But your regular people that they've been testing it on have allegedly been finding that the flavours seem like the real thing. So that's interesting. I think it would be. What would, what would you What would you think about all this, Noreen? Would you Would you like to consider having a food printer at home to to sort of save time now and then? I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence on this one. I think it sort of takes away the human touch of cooking, you know. And absolutely. I, I don't. I mean, it, they 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 create really cool sort of geometrical shapes. If you're not got steady hands, and say for example, you're decorating a cake and you want to put like a lace mm. looking like icing on top, it'd be quite handy to have a 3D oh, printer absolutely. and just sort of yeah, you know, a little detail. Yeah. yeah. What do you call that thing uh, you put around the the cake? Um, not icing. Well, but, um, yes. It, yeah, it is, it is. It is. You do use a uh, soft icing, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, that um, you cover the whole cake. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, you can either put cream and then a, and then a layer of icing on it. But, yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is piped icing, really, soft icing, I think that you mean. Um, I, I, I can't, I'll just add that channelnewsasia.com, which comes out of Singapore, um, mentioned that this really took off after... Um, Russian cosmonaut printed meat in a in a space operation when they were in outer space to show how 3D printing could be used for you know people who are stuck in a uh, in in the front end of a rocket <laughs> you know with 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 not proper ingredients and cooking facilities so that was one thing that kind of prompted the world to look at it more seriously but Singapore is a leader in this so. Um, um, I was thinking, you know, sorry, just going back on something that I, I thought about. I tried to make a cake, which was very unsuccessful attempt, but I tried my best with it. And I wanted to create these sort of geometric shapes on it. So I put bubble wrap around the soft icing and it looked really nice 
to begin with. Then as I peeled, I just got a bit impatient and the whole thing just sort yeah. of just went a bit mushy. And, yeah, and I think a 3D printer, exactly, it's, yeah. it's got stuck to the bubble wrap. <laughs> and, but I think a 3D printer would solve that problem and create a, a rather nice effect. I, I copied that from MasterChef. I can't take credit for that. But, ah, um, really? So I think a 3D printer. Yeah. interesting. Yes. Well, well that, so, so in Sweden, really briefly, two cities are already testing new food printing techniques in, in, uh, in their elderly care homes, uh, a handful of elderly care homes in each of them. Mm. And the, uh, the reaction has been good. Residents have been uh, getting more into eating things because they are all a puree in texture and there's been a lot of emphasis in trying to make them look like the real ingredients. So there you go. Very cool. It's, um, that, yeah, the, really, really quite briefly then, as a last uh, point, in, in the U.S., um, there's, there was an interesting oversight in an article from the Eater magazine that looks at the state of the restaurant industry in its second year of COVID-19 pandemic. And it was written just after President Biden announced a U.S. $1.9 trillion stimulus package for the U.S. a couple of weeks ago. They put aside... In U.S. dollars, $28.6 billion for, in grants for restaurants, including food trucks and street vendors and bar owners that can apply uh, in, uh, for the 12 months previously, including back rent and labor costs to, uh, to claim for their losses. It's been a real kind of shot in the arm, as they say in America. For, um, for the industry, who, because mm. there have been a lot of closures, of course, yeah. but this means that many will be able to recoup a lot of losses over temporary... They had a temporary um, outdoor area that, was, that became law in some states in America. They were allowed to serve to diners if they made some makeshift outdoor dining tables, which they did. All of these things are um, going to keep some of those restaurants going for a bit longer. So yeah. that's good news for them over there. Absolutely. Yeah. Andrew, I know this is your segment, but, you know, since you share food news, can I share one that I've, I came across earlier? I yeah, think, um, A very sort of unusual and bizarre name-changing trend has occurred in Taiwan. Have, have you seen this story? There's a sushi chain, chain uh, in Taiwan um, that's sort of done uh-huh. this promotion, and they invite people to change their name, actually add the name Salmon to their official name, so they have to go to the, the appropriate authority to change their name and if they include the word salmon in their name they can have unlimited um, uh, sushi for uh, <laughs> no I didn't see that That's and, and 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 the, the local media in Taiwan has sort of labeled the salmon chaos as more than 200 young people across the country has changed their name and taken advantage oh, of, no. of this uh, restaurant offer um, but the trouble is they only um, can have can change their names for, for a limited of three times and one guy I read um, has changed his name to Sam Chan salmon dream <laughs> apparently he's <laughs> changed his name Love before then he's unable That's to a great name. yeah it's his permanent name from now on would you well, I, change your name to to make use of a sort of promotion at a restaurant free sushi for for the rest of the year well i i, I would have said no immediately but i quite like the idea of canned salmon dream if it's not taken in hong kong <laughs> and restaurants are doing a salmon deal i might be up for it Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, Andrew, it's always so nice to speak to you. Thank you so much, as ever, for, for your sharing this yeah, week. Yeah, you too. And I look forward to more chats with you later. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks. Bye, now.